All right, Ree, you are our South Buffalo correspondent, and uh, we've had a, a big event this Saturday, and I'd like to know how it went. Thank you, Ryan. Yes, I am the South Buffalo First Ward Valley correspondent. I did attend the old First Ward parade yesterday. And, and everyone wants to know, how many beers did you drink? Uh, I would love to know that, too. <laughs> That's, so, Ree would also like to know how the First Ward parade went. Yes, if somebody could tell me, you know what, better yet, don't. Don't tell me how it was for me. It was a great time. I Look, I know... The people of the old First Ward, they, they get, uh, you know, we have certain ideas about them, especially after the uh, the latest election for Buffalo mayor and, and turnout and things like that. Um, there are certain ideas. They're great people. Other other than <laughs> you have to separate like their political views at times. But uh, what can you do? But they're, look, it's a great time. The old First Ward parade. They're inveterate alcoholics for the most part. Not to paint a broad brush, but you go to the uh, Sunday parade downtown on Delaware and you're going to see just complete amateur hour. Whereas in the first ward, I mean, you've got families drinking together, you know, ages five and up. Everybody is just down in them. Professionally licensed drinkers. Right, right. The, the, at the Delaware parade, like those people like afterwards go home and they sleep and they call on in, mon- call in on Monday. The old first ward parade, like those people drink for like six hours and then they go home and they're like, oh, you know what, I, sh- I should do my taxes. Right. This is it was it was St. Patrick's Day month for them. So the parade day is just, right. you know, the icing on the cake. Yeah. They're they're used to it. It's all leading up to that. Yeah. But, you know, it it was a parade. I mean, the same shit you'll see at the downtown parade for the most part. Obviously, there was a whole bunch of cops, there was iron workers, you know, a lot of union laborers and stuff in the parade. A lot of a lot of green, a lot of, you know, a lot of the same shit. But everybody was very excited to be out finally. This is the first uh, old first ward parade they've done in 3 years. Thanks COVID. Um, there was that terrible halfway to St. Patrick's Day parade, <laughs> which I wouldn't be fucking caught dead at. Um, but no, the weather was awesome. It was supposed to be shitty. Turned out just to be a little bit of rain here and there. And for the most part, it was really nice. I am feeling very festive still. I'm wearing green. I'm wearing, you know, yeah, you're all I got out. the beads on. I mean, I'm I'm still feeling the spirit. I, I was hoping that maybe you'd have some like leftover carbone sweet sauce that you'd bring with. <laughs> Me, me too. I, I've, I've come around on the sweet sauce. Maybe, maybe Carbones has made the the magical transformation finally into being a good pizza place. <laughs> they were, they used to be such trash. God, but their sweet sauce pizza is pretty good. Let's kick it off. We're kicking. Let's kick it. And you know who we're kicking with today, boys? We got. In the house, Rob Cat himself, Rob Galbraith. Hello. How my, are we doing, guys? My man, Rob. Rob thanks <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, pleasure. We love Rob. Rob is the OG yeah. for us. We, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, we, Rob, Rob is the poster's poster. He loves to post. He's been on this beat for a long time. Frankly, we crib most of our content from Rob's <laughs> post. <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we just do it in verbal podcast form, so... Right, that's none of us would apply for an open position at Little Sis because then we'd be like doing the same thing for six days a week. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and of course you got me, Re. We've got Jim, and we've got Snake, and we've got we've got Snake. All right, boys, what's uh, what's going on in in the world of of Buffalo, of Western New York this week? Well, I think like we should start with like the big national news going on with Buffalo. It's March Madness time. 
And as Buffalo is wont to do every six years or so, uh, hosted the first round of the first and second round of the tournament. Uh, it's cool having like this focus. Getting you getting what uh, eight schools, eight fan bases coming into the city, focusing on their college basketball garbage. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, although this uh, year, uh, Buffalo hosted. Uh, Two four seeds versus a thirteen seeds, and two five seeds versus twelve seeds, and both twelve seeds won. Oh wow! wow. So Buffalo Buffalo was like upset Central. I mean, there was other elsewhere in the tournament. Uh, I can't remember where Kentucky was playing, but Kentucky was a two seed. They lost to a fifteen seed, and they got trashed. So that I mean, anytime like you can see like a, a fifteen seed win, like obviously you have to root for that. Uh, and speaking of just like general NCAA tournament stuff, I want to give a shout out to our friend El Seltzer Mom. Uh, Michigan was one of the first four, so they had to play an uh, intro game, and they made the Sweet 16 yesterday as an 11 seed. They beat a number three seed yesterday. Yeah, let's give more shout outs to Michigan. How about shout out to Notre Dame, <laughs> who played in the play in game, won, and then yeah. played Alabama, and then won. Yeah. So. It happened. Right, and and Alabama have a Buffalo connection because the coach of Alabama is Nate Oates, the former UB coach. Yes, oh. Alabama really shit the bed this year. Not only did they mm. lose to Notre Dame, but which Notre Dame has done has exceeded expectations this year. Um, but uh, Alabama was like a preseason like top ten team and ended up as six seed and then shit the bed in the first round. Yep, yep. Well, more important for for some of us is you know. Some of us were, were were draft kings this this tournament season. Some of us, Rob, are you a Caesar? Have you are you a sports gambler of any kind? Uh, well, we're all Caesars, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not I'm not a sports gambler. I don't really gamble on anything. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just I'm scared of it because I think I'll probably just lose all my money. I'm mm-hmm. not. Uh, and yeah, I well, I, I don't I don't know like anything about sports. I you know I try. That's like, a great thing about sports, but you do not have to know anything <laughs> well, yeah, about sports. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the the fan duelists and the uh, the 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 DraftKings would prefer that we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can you gamble on NCAA ball? Oh yeah. Oh, those, yeah. Those oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's only people who aren't allowed to make money off of the college athletes are the college athletes. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I think those are the two big gambling events: is the Super Bowl. You you do, you do your pool, and then the brackets, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a buddy who goes out to Vegas every year for uh, the NCAA games, and uh, I, I I dabbled here or there mm-hmm. with some of the. <laughs> I, I love they offer these like crazy like parlays. Um, I feel like fucking Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. Uh, just like <laughs> I, I'm like rooting for the under on some team I've never heard of. Like, come on. You, you can't, you gotta brick those shots. I, I feel like if any movie has ever made me want to gamble, it would be that one. Oh, yeah. I, um, you know, well, because obviously, because things work out so great for Howie in the movie. <laughs> uh, well, that, that one in Bad Lieutenant, right? Those oh, yeah. two, those two are, yeah. those two like make me, make me want to gamble yeah. on sports like really badly. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, NCAA tournament information and like local connections, uh, UB's women team made the tournament this year too for a, a change. Solid. I think they were down two at halftime. They they were they ended up being a fourteen seed and having to play Tennessee, which is like one of the most famous women's basketball uh, schools in history. Uh, Pat Summit was there for a long time and won like a zillion national championships. Uh, they ended up losing by thirteen, but I mean they did make a game out of it until it was one of those things where like it kind of like got out of hand at the end. Yeah. Well, it's still good. What? There's another like three or four weeks of the tournament still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Today is the la- we're recording on Sunday. Today's the last day of the second round, um, and then next week is the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, and then the following week will be the Final Four in the championship. 
And speaking of gambling, uh, ESPN really pushes, and so they're trying to make people gamble on the women's tournament. Okay. And, and get people into the women, uh, women's basketball tournament, which is crazy for two reasons. One, it just shows like there's a never-ending appetite for gambling. But two, like, like the men's tournament has like always has these crazy upsets, and like it's, it's is like well known for being unpredictable. Women's basketball isn't as egalitarian as like men's basketball, so like generally the the, the higher seeds almost always win. It, it's it's very hard to get upsets in it, so it's a it's a much easier like it's like you could just it's basically just betting against the Sabers every night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see the reports uh, of how much yeah revenue these these uh, what these like app based uh, gambling services are are, are going to bring in after the tournament. They had some after the Super Bowl because I th- I think the state takes something like like a like fifty forty nine to fifty one percent of like the the take from from all of those things mm-hmm. and the Hokels people and, and everybody were were you know really hyped on kind of like pushing these numbers out like this many billions of dollars you know for the state. And it's like well this is all money taken. From people in the state already, <laughs> right? And I, you know, you're a, a certain, you know, a, a cut of this is is you know already been calculated out to you know to, yeah to go to like all the owners of these companies, and then you're ta- you're talking about like a, a, a smaller amount of money then kind of coming back into this. It's it's the most like if you think about it for like two seconds, you you see how insane it is. Ever since ever you know ever since the Supreme Court legalized it, and then New York you know got got right on there with it. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much they've been. Just yeah, like pumping this. Well, and and like you know, like gambling money, like coming in, like through this online gambling stuff, is realistically probably a highly regressive tax. People who are incredibly wealthy, even if they are gamblers, with the exception of like fucking Bernie Madoff, <laughs> aren't gambling like seventy percent of like their disposable income plus. Right. Yeah, I I I have a hard time like figuring out how I feel about all this because you know, like on the one hand. I'm just generally like pro fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like doing things that are fun, that are enjoyable to do. I like, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I like, I, yeah, I, I like to have a, a good time and all. But. Me, I like to have a good time. <laughs> good time. Yeah. And we were so pissed when they when they decided to ban menthol cigarettes. Right. And I think if they banned gambling, it would be something or like the so flavored vapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd have a similar yeah. feeling about that. Yeah. Just fuck that. Well, well, here's my thing about like it, it's fun, but like it's always because of the dollar signs, like. They legalized this in New York State because they saw billions of dollars. But, right. like, if you're, like, the fucking, like, Moose Club in, like, South Buffalo and you want to have a poker tournament, no. Right. Cannot do that. <clears throat> because even if you – look, I understand, like, if you're a Moose Club, you're not going to report the money to the state and you're not going to give them <laughs> any money. But even if you did, because, like, the most they would make would be, like, $100, they're not interested in legalizing that for you. Even though, like, you know, for a Moose Club, if they're able to raise – Five grand off of that—that's a big deal for a small nonprofit yeah. or in a town or a village. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. Anything, anytime somebody's mad about something, in the government—it's always Joe Biden's fault. Yeah, just you know, the damn, the damn Democrats. Well, speaking of the damn Democrats, mm-hmm. oh, Byron Brown. Yeah, not not Brandon, but Byron. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Byron. Let's go, Byron. Little little campaign malfeasance, <laughs> getting a little bit a little bit of trouble. Uh, took some donations that were in excess of the campaign donation no. limits, and didn't return that money 
uh, right away, didn't report it right away. In fact, there was a report out in the investigative post. You, you may have heard inklings uh, about this on, on this. our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, this might not be the first time we've talked about this. <laughs> no, but it's the first time I think we actually have like solid, hard a, a report from the uh, from the Board of Elections. The State Board of Elections, per Jeff Kelly, our friend of the pod, of course, went easy on Mayor's Campaign Committee despite finding it failed to properly disclose contributions tied to LLCs. So, Rob, you're on this shit like white on rice, man. <laughs> what's what's go? What was the ma- in, in case for the listeners who aren't quite sure what's going on here? Talk to us about wh- why was it so bad what the mayor was doing here? I'll first off say. Like, it's not just the mayor. Uh, this is a problem, like, throughout the entire, uh, you know, New York State electoral, like, campaign finance system. Right. But I mean, especially the governor. Yes. Yeah. And she she's definitely been, you know, a really bad offender here. And I've worked on a couple stories with Sam Mellons from New York State Focus on this. With respect to Byron Brown, the sort of, like, the specifics of what the BOE cited him for are kind of beyond me. I was kind of noting all of these things throughout the mayoral campaign, though. What you have was, uh, you know, taking money from LLCs. In 2019, the state passed a, a law saying capping contributions from LLCs at $5,000, which is what the limit is for any uh, corporation. You know, before 2019... Uh, LLCs could give as much as just like an individual person. Meaning, in this like gubernatorial race, they could have given up to, you know, sixty nine thousand seven hundred dollars. Um, that changes, you know, year to year based on like enrollment numbers and everything. Because New York has an, an incredibly complicated and stupid system for determining what uh, contribution limits are. But from what I understand, Byron Brown took money from you know several LLCs, took money in excess of that five thousand dollar limit. Uh, and was required to give some of that back. I think he was also, I mean, I know he also took money from LLCs and failed to make the required disclosures of who the owners behind those LLCs are. And that is something especially that is just totally rampant in the system. So those 2019 reforms also required owners of LLCs, if they give money in an election year, before the end of the year, they have to file a statement with the Board of Elections saying who the owners of that LLC are, tracing them all the way back to individual human people. So if an LLC is owned by an LLC, you have to say who the owners of the LLC that owns the LLC are. Mm -hmm. They also require candidates like Byron Brown, like Kathy Hochul, to, throughout the periodic reporting periods in the year, file um, a a schedule, a Schedule O, naming the owners of LLCs that, that have given to them in that period. So... You know, by the end of the year, the LLCs, all they, they all have to file statements saying who their owners are. And then throughout the year, the candidates have to file, make statements saying who the owners of the LLCs they gave to them are. The problem with that is that the Board of Elections has never enforced the law. They just, you know, they, the law passed in 2019 and then they just didn't, uh, they didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I asked for uh, all the statements of identity that had been filed by, uh, by LLC owners and then I compared that to all the donations given by LLCs, and um, Sam at New York State Focus actually kind of crunched all the numbers after I just got the records, and he found something like ninety percent of LLCs uh, that gave money just didn't say who who didn't say who the uh, the owners of those LLCs were. Mm-hmm. Many of the LLCs that gave to Kathy Hochul did that. Several LLCs that gave to Byron Brown did that. Now. Uh, as Jeff at Investigative Post has you know reported before, Byron Brown has like flouted that law you know since 2019, and did that right through the 2021 primary. After the 2021 primary, and people started paying more attention to his filings, then he started disclosing 
who the owners of some of the LLCs giving to him were, with the exception of two LLCs. And those two LLCs were owned by somebody who Byron Brown had previously promised not to uh, coordinate with, not to take money from. Uh, and his that person's daisy. name rhymes with uh, Schmarl Schmeladino. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and you're right, Rob. Uh, the Board of Elections has not been enforcing these laws, and they certainly didn't start now um, with Byron Brown's latest transgressions here. Uh, so a gentleman by the name of Peter Rizzo, who is an auditor for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, he's been pretty critical of Byron Brown as of late, kind of going after him. Uh, the article says for the school, the speed zone camera program, you know, a few different things. But he submitted this report to the Board of Elections. Uh, it was for in the amount of roughly $10,000 campaign contributions over the limit from LLCs and also $5,000 of expenses reported. Not a, There was so much fucking money in that campaign this year. It is relatively a drop in the bucket, I would yeah. say. Well, and and because like, they didn't do anything until now. I mean, it's a 0% loan. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, and so, like, it, any interest-free loan that the campaign got during the campaign season, is that's, that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, and well, and, and that's, like, that's the thing of it. That's, like, the, the trick of it is that, you know, you can essentially, especially when there's no enforcement, and the, the BOE just announced that they were going to start enforcing this against LLCs, I think like last week. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they sent out like 3,400 letters or something to LLCs that didn't disclose their own. Right. Which we'll get to a little bit later. Okay. But I think that the reason why Hochul has the BOE now suddenly interested in this is because she's spooked by Andrew Cuomo. That's an interesting read on that. My read might be a little more self-serving since I worked on the story, but I <laughs> I had figured that the BOE decided to start taking action uh, on account of there was, like, press coverage of it, finally. Yeah, the, there's <laughs> been press coverage of it since I started working in politics <laughs> in 2001. Yeah. And and people were like, the BOE doesn't do anything about people, like, mis, like misattributing their funds or, or doing right. anything. Yeah, but the Square Podcast wasn't around back then. That, I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, we I, hold their feet to the fire. I, I will say, as compared to, like, 20 years ago, you don't get, for the most part, a lot of the unitemized dumps you used to get yeah. in people's things. Although I think that's more an artifact of the like people are doing like software bookkeeping, and so they're just exporting things directly to the BOE website as opposed to like actually recording. Like in the past, everything was done with like pen and paper, right? And so like they're just like, well, fuck it, anything under. You know, forty nine dollars expenses expense wise or ninety nine dollars uh, income wise, we're just gonna say, well, it's all unitemized. Yeah. The the reason I think like this is a big deal with with the LLC money is well, for one thing, it can be used to circumvent donation limits. Yes. And so even even if it's like a small, you know, relatively small amount of money compared to like all that a politician has brought in, you know, we we have we have contribution limits for a reason. The legislature, the state government acknowledged that there was a problem of people using LLCs to just like pour money into campaigns uh totally anonymously. Mm -hmm. And so they they passed these reforms saying you had if you own an LLC that's giving, you got to you got to say who you are and that L, whatever proportion of that LLC you own, that proportion of that LLC's donation is attributable to you. So if I, you know, if I'm a 50% owner of an LLC that gives $1,000 to somebody, then $500 of that money counts towards my donation limit. But if, if nobody's disclosing who owns it, then, you know, I can give like the maximum individually, the LLC can give $5,000 and then no one knows about it except for, you know, the donor and obviously the, the candidate right. who now knows that this donor has 
um, you know, given them. Right. Well, especially because those donations usually show up in the same envelope. Yeah. Well, right? exactly. I mean, it, 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 because like, you know, like uh, somebody we'll talk about later, but also like Schmarl Schmaladino is well known for having like 15, 20 LLCs. So you're like, well, you know, if they make an LLC, what's $5,000, you know, which, you know, in a mayoral campaign in the city of Buffalo, an extra five grand, not huge. Yeah. Uh, in a county ledge campaign, enormous. Mm hmm. I mean, and I'm not exaggerating. Ten to twenty LLCs, and now you're talking fifty to hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's a big deal, no matter what campaign it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I think like what this really gets back to is that it's very bad to allow corporations and LLCs to give money, to put money into into political campaigns. Yeah, there's a reason why at the federal level, corporate political donations are are banned. There's a reason why they're banned in many states. Like New York, for all of its sort of blue progressive cred, has like one of the most like absolutely like insane electoral systems in terms of funding elections, in terms of who gets to vote and when, in terms of who gets on the ballot and when. Like it's in the whole thing is set up like, you know, basically, basically like a cartel of the politicians in office and the sort of the factions or, you know, party uh, apparatuses that. That they control. I mean, that's why we saw like the Democrats did not lift a finger in 2021 to pass three ballot referenda to expand the franchise. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know that you know you have people like Kathy Hochul and, and sort of like national uh, Democratic figures from New York State talk about protecting voting rights in, in other states. While whereas you know in New York, you can be Kathy Hochul, take take money from zillions of LLCs, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, and get no repercussions for it whatsoever. But you know, if you have a Democrat carry your petitions for you, but uh, do not sign the or do not like sign in the appropriate place to uh, to affirm that they are a Democrat, then you can't even get on the ballot at all. Like the 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 level of enforcement for politicians who are in office have a base have like an established base of power uh, versus, you know, people who are you know trying to contest for power at, from like the grassroots level are just totally, you know, they're they're they're. They're they're totally out of proportion. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, again something that we'll talk about later because uh, our boy fighting Rod Watson talked about that this week. Hot Rod, Hot Rod. The petition process is intentionally hard to do for uh, if you're if you want to contest. I mean, I will say in the last twenty years they've made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It's still very difficult, and I mean, as we saw, what was it three years ago when the uh, women's first was going to run a whole bunch of primary candidates uh, for common council and they all get disqualified for using the wrong petitions. Yeah. It, it, which is, which is a crazy thing because like the signatures were good. The form that they used was not the correct form. It was, that was, a I mean, I mean, it's just an, in, ins, an insane thing. And like, generally if you're like a community based candidate and you're like oh these are the rules that I, that the state board of election says i have to follow for campaign finance your community candidates your your challengers follow those rules and your entrenched candidates are like well those rules don't really matter right and and and, and they're right about that <laughs> they, they, they they don't matter uh, especially if you're a person you know who you know already has power and mm -hmm. is is you know yeah and is is running from a position of either you know protecting an incumbency or being the sort of anointed successor to an incumbent because you've come up through the same like machine or whatever. We talked about like uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, 
you know, what is Cuomo going to do with all his money if he doesn't run for office because he's getting millions of dollars in campaign account? Yeah. Some people think that, like, oh, he'll just he'll buy himself stuff. He can't do that. And even New York State would, like, be like, no, you can't do that. But what he could do is basically, like, three meals a day and drinks every single day until he ran out of money, pay for it, and just say it was a consulting fee or a fundraising expense or whatever, and nobody's going to check. Right. No matter how much money he spent, he could go to all the best like Michelin-starred restaurants in New York City every single day for, until he ran out of money, and people would be like... Which he probably wouldn't. Well, wait, he, would probably, he probably wouldn't. He'd probably be like, I would like to go to Little Caesars because they're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Is the first person to spend fifty thousand dollars at the Sbarro at Times Square? <laughs> no, I mean, he, he may not run out of money. Oh, he might He's not a lot. Oh, oh, yeah, he might not run out of money. Yeah. I mean, this goes back like when county clerk and running for re-election county clerk candidate Mickey Kearns was a common council member, and this is old. And you can still look this up if anybody doubts me. Um, one of his filings when he was a common council member on Valentine's Day. <laughs> He spent like $300 at the chop house for dinner and then more money at Mother's for drinks afterwards. <laughs> I thought and, you were going to say like agent provocateur or something. No, like no, no, no. And then, and then also on his, at that time anniversary, he's now divorced, uh, spent like $1,000 on like meals and drinks at a couple of restaurants. Wow. Uh, but, but like, but whatever, like expenses, right? Yeah, obviously. Anybody he, knows he was what, at the parade yesterday, by the way, too. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, I, bet, I bet he was. He was. Uh, and, I mean, everybody knows what Valentine's Day is. You have to know him to know like his anniversary. <laughs> but like, he spent it. Nobody ever said anything. I, I brought it up to people at Art Voice at the time. I was like. And they're like, well, I mean, we can't, like, again, like, just like the Board of Elections, we can't prove that he wasn't doing that. I was like, yeah, but okay, <laughs> I guess so. Well, I mean, you have someone, you also have someone like uh, like Tony Masiello, who still has an enormous campaign account. Yeah. Um, even though he's been out of the mayor's office now for longer than he was in it. Crazy. So he can, he's still, um, and he's, he's now... Not only not the the mayor, but uh, you know a lobbyist seeking to influence uh, local and state po uh, policy, and he can he can just use his campaign account to essentially um, you know just not even make contributions. They're not contributing to make transfers mm -hmm. to to other politicians' accounts with just like this pile of money he's been just sitting on for what seventeen years now. Right. Well, and the other thing he so he can do is like uh, read. Well, no, he can't read. Um, allegedly. He allegedly. can hoop. I, I know he can hoop. Uh, yeah, he, can he, can, hoop. he can hoop. Uh, it's like, if you're like a state legislator or a state legislative staff, like the most amount of money you're allowed to accept from a non-existing like pre -existing friendship or family member is $15. So Tony Masiello can go out to dinner and take a state assembly member or state senator or whatever or their staff out to dinner and then say, well, I can't pay for your dinner because it's more than $15. But what I'll do is I could make a donation to your campaign account yeah. for like $500. And then if you're a state legislator, because this is a political dinner that you're having, you can use your campaign account to pay for this dinner. What about uh, what about your boy, county comptroller candidate, Hormoz? Hormoz got got. Hormoz. 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 Well, speak. This is what I was mentioning earlier. Like when we were talking about Schmarl Schmaladino, like <laughs> Hormoz was infamous for having like 
dozens of LLCs that yeah. he would donate money out of. Mm-hmm. Yes. So from WKBW.com, federal grand jury indicts Amherst businessmen for defrauding the PPP and EIDL programs. So he took that sweet, sweet PPP money and uh, did whatever the fuck, maybe gambled with it. No, he, his, yeah, that's, yeah that's, I was going to say, he's, he's supposed he, to be a gambler, right? Yeah, he's, oh, he's, yeah. he's, a, big, he's uh, the Caesar. He is. Yeah, okay. Although he's, I, I don't think he's a sports gambler. Uh, if I, slots, right? Slots. He's slots. He, he does like. Well, that's smart. That's used because that's the only that's the only game where you're guaranteed to win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he was he was he would gamble at like the high stakes, like thousand dollar a pull slots. Holy yeah. Shit. So the uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office announced 67 year old Hormoz Mansuri was charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud and bank fraud. Bank fraud, wire fraud. Okay, so he's charged with the conspiracy to commit and then also with the actual frauds and money laundering. The charges carry a maximum penalty of 30 years in prison. We'll see him when he's 98. (laughs) Right. And so we were talking about LLCs. This guy has like 10 LLCs that he applied for loans. Got the money. The U.S. Attorney's Office said the PPP loans inflated or completely fabricate, uh, fabricated the average monthly payroll of the businesses, and six of the eight had no employees or payroll expenses. He received $3 million through PPP and 450000 and some change through EIDL. Wow. The U.S. Attorney's Office back in May seized approximately almost $2 million of the fraudulently obtained money. So what do you guys think? Is, uh, is our boy Harmo's uh Well, I think, we did the, I think we did the wrong thing. We should have applied to our PPP loan instead of started a podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, you, want, you want Brandon coming down knocking our, <laughs> our door here? Uh, I don't know, man. I, he's not knocking on Tom Brady's door. The thing <laughs> I don't get is it seems like this ought to be a... I'm not a criminal. <laughs> this seems but if like I were. That, that's, that's, if what I did a, it. that's what a criminal would say. This, but if I did it, this seems like it ought to be a pretty easy thing to get away with. You have have payroll, pay people to do something. I don't know, right? Like, well, um, that's, that's the thing with like these LLCs is like like because the way PPP was like if you're an LLC, you can't pay the owner of the LLC. You have mm-hmm. to be paying payroll. So all he had to do is like before he applied or while he was applying for the PPP is. Hire a bunch of people for minimum wage. Yeah. In 2020, the, this money was flying out the door. The federal government correctly, I should say, you know, prioritized getting the money out the door so companies could make payroll and figured they would be able to sort of, you know, recoup any, um, you know, payments that went where they shouldn't have gone uh, sort of on the back end, which it seems to be like what they're trying to do here. I don't, right. I can't really speak to like how successful that's been like overall, but in general, it seems like PPP like worked for the most part, and if anything, was just like uh, too small. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Hormoz. I mean, he has been around; he's been kicking around like Buffalo politics for a long ass time, like yeah. at least like twenty years. Yeah, like I think the first time like he came up on my radar was he was like a GC or one of his companies was GC on. Um, like the the Kenfield Langfield um, like asbestos remediation project, and they were implicated when one of their subs was like just like dumping asbestos and and got criminal charges. Do you guys remember that? This, this was like a long ass time ago. They were remediating asbestos in two like big like BMHA towers. We're just dumping it through a hole in the floor. Is how I remember the story going, <laughs> but um. I think this like this story like happened when I was a teenager, so I, I like I might not 
uh, remember it like fully correct, but that, that's the first time I remember like hearing the guy's name. But I know he's been he's been around forever. He's he's I know his one company he's got is mesothelioma. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's just that's just on account of his hands-on approach. Oh, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I so I've been involved and I've known Hormos. I haven't been involved with Hormos in a very long time, but I was involved with him shortly when I worked for the Republicans for the county legislature or for the uh, board of elections. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> So at, at one point, uh, to constitute the Independence Party Committee in Erie County that the Democrats had control of at the time, uh, Hormos gave a bunch of money to Tom Pecoraro, who I believe is deceased now. Pouring and, out for a real one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had done a lot of stuff like like the Republicans do. Uh, they always complain about Democrats doing, where, like where they're like they registered a whole bunch of elected officials children as like registered mm-hmm. independents so they could constitute the committee tony orsini who st- is still alive and was independent chairman for a long time was involved in this with like ralph moore the elections commissioner the republican elections commissioner and hormos was like funding this so and, like while we were doing this uh hormos who was was very close with tom galasano we, I actually got to sit in Galasano in the owner's suite at a Sabres game with Hormos and Ralph Moore. Cool. So, uh, yeah, cool. so, so, yeah, so, 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 you yeah. got to sit in a suite. Man, that, that must have been a fucking baller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you want you want to talk about a a lit time? <laughs> yeah, that does sound pretty. Lit, two actually. two guys that I'm sure are just total party freaks. Well, I mean, so Galasano wasn't there, so I never met Galasano. Uh, Hormos did drink a bunch. Was he was he pushing to get out to uh, to the slots anywhere? After? I, I mean, I, I, I don't remember. Like, he didn't really interact with me. He was more interested in talking to Ralph Moore the entire time. That makes and sense. Ralph bought like ten board of elections employees. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of uh, hiring minimum wage workers, Jim, we've got uh, an update at at Starbucks. I love you, Howard. <laughs> Howard, <laughs> I love you. He's back. The Schultz man is the big cheese once more. Yeah, at Starbucks, he's no longer working for Peanuts. Oh man, (laughs) yeah. They said, you know what this uh, this whole union thing is getting out of hand. Bring in the big gun. Yeah, get him back. Yeah, it's it's union busting time. Uh, there was a great Onion article, or like, like not even an article, just like a quick hit that they did this week. It was like uh, Starbucks hires like a Pinkerton to order like a really complex drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I caught this story via like a little like CNBC clip or something on Twitter, and they had one of the um, they have it was one of like the Starbucks board members who works for manages like some like hedge fund or something that's invested in Starbucks. And she's talking about how, yeah, they decided to like, uh, you know, take this new direction. They're going to bring back Howard Schultz because of his like unique uh, ability to really connect with the employees. And like the only Mm -hmm. thing I can think of when I hear her like talking about how this guy is just able to connect with employees, like on a, on a level that, you know, that I guess like Kevin, whatever his name wasn't, wasn't really able to. I'm just, th- I just think about like the last time Howard Schultz's name was like really in the news, <laughs> I think was in like November 2020. Right. Yeah, right, right. Something when about he came to blankets. Yeah. Yeah. He's, talking, yeah. he's talking about like something about Nazi, trains, Nazi uh, blankets and like some rabbi wasn't worthy of touching the wailing wall. But so the rabbi pushed him into it because of course Howard he was Schultz was. Yeah. 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 So I, he, yeah, he makes this analogy where working at Starbucks is like, 
being in a concentration camp. <laughs> and that's why it's important that all the workers share their blankets, which is a metaphor for the money that they don't get paid mm-hmm. and that people like Howard Schultz do. I, it didn't seem like it was a great connection moment. Like at the time, like I, like, I mean, I wasn't in the room, but it's like, from what I like remember, it seemed like the, the connection was like a bunch of people making fun of him for being just totally uh, out, out of his mind, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah I mean, that's, the thing is like, if he was so good at this connection, like clearly he was willing to be brought back in by Starbucks leadership to connect with uh, the employees. Was he asked or did he demand that he be installed? <laughs> he probably demanded. He probably demanded. Right. They haven't brought him back since November when he was just a tire fire of a person. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also he's like, all right, he's got to be the least self-aware man ever. Because I remember when he had Michelle Eisen on from Starbucks, from Starbucks Union. I mean, Elon must still exist. <laughs> well, that's That's true. That's true. But Howard Schultz, they called an employee meeting. Uh, well, it was going to be a special, a special guest. The Starbucks. Oh had. yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. so they thought it was going to be like Taylor Swift. And yeah. it, was the, it was the Pointer <laughs> Brothers. Him, her. Well, don't point him again. It makes it less special. Then tell me what to do. All right, folks, it's going to take a long time, but nobody's leaving this room until they are pointed at. It was Howard Schultz on a Saturday. Hey, come see Howard Schultz on a Saturday night. So maybe, just maybe, this guy is not fully aware of his, you know, his reach and his pull, what, what he can do here. Right, his his, his cachet. Like the, all 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 the eighteen year olds working at Starbucks are like, oh my god, it's Howard Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. all Conor O'Malley fans. That's why. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's, sure, like maybe if you're like a twenty seven year old Goldman Sachs like hedge fund manager, you're like Howard Schultz, sweet, this is great. What's he going to do differently than the, the outgoing? I don't know. I don't care. I don't. Well, I don't know his name. I don't really care. Yeah. I, what are we going to say about this? Like he's going to come in. You know what they're going to do? They're going to try to crack down the union. Mm-hmm. But the, the do you think the organizers care? It's it's the same fucking shit. Who cares? I don't, I don't know. He's not going to do anything. Different. I don't but, know. It's, and I, the the momentum's already out the door. Right. 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 Like now that they've seen like the other places across the country have seen that that Starbucks can't do this and the Starbucks couldn't break up and prevent a union vote from passing when they had like three to focus on yeah now they have like 150 the the little Dutch boy only has so many fingers <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not an expert in labor politics or anything but I gotta I gotta say like from from my perspective like Getting the company to fire their CEO, it's got that's an unequivocal win for the, <laughs> sure. for the union. Yeah. Like that, that, that can like I can't read I can't read this in any way that's like bad for the union. In the the most recent count, I think they just doubled the number of uh, of of organized uh, shops now. All the new ones being in in Western New York, right? Right. Yeah. Well, because Western New York was uh, first to go, so like it uh, it's kicked ass on the unions. All kinds of states, even in states that aren't union friendly, are like you know, filing for election. Mm-hmm. I mean, Starbucks is absolutely getting destroyed uh, right now. 
by like well at least like their viewpoint is they're getting destroyed and my viewpoint is like they're finally getting what they should have been doing a long long time ago right. which was like supporting unions so our our friend Stefan Mahailu said that uh, a friend of mine <laughs> said that uh, you know now that they're they're unionized. Uh, their drinks are going to go from five dollars to thirty five dollars. So uh, I will note that. Uh, so I go to the Genesee Street Starbucks across from the airport, which is one of the unionized ones. And my standard drink is I get a Vente Cafe Misto, which is a Cafe Olay, but they use the Italian because they're crazy. Um, it's the <laughs> they're, they're, they're just silly like that. No, 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 it's it's, it's like either a good time. I'm not sure if it's Andrew Cuomo or Axis of Evil. <laughs> Um, it has gone from three ninety seven to four thirty. You know what? I'm willing to pay thirty three cents a coffee okay, they're drink u- they're for uni- a union. They're unionized. The prices have gone up. Has, have their wages gone up yet? Well, they, there's no contract yet. There's no okay. CBA. All right. So your your drink had cost. Three something you said three ninety seven three ninety seven. What are we speculating that Stefan's five dollar drink was? That was his like <laughs> his baseline. It was it was how uh, many how many it was, syrups? It was it, plain chicken wings with butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a Starbucks order. <laughs> I picture yeah. Stefan just ordering like a venti steamed milk with like a Lasertron special of like one squirt of every syrup or something <laughs> like that. He, he, he seems like a like a milk drinker to me. Right. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, speaking of milk, um, <laughs> I could go. Oh, that's a beautiful segue. <laughs> yeah, 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 a lot of different ways. <laughs> speaking of milk. Speaking of milk. <laughs> if you like spoiled milk, you're going to love this. <laughs> Jim, we got uh, Batavia, the yogurt factory. The, yeah, the French yogurt, La Fermier. Ooh, la la. That's right. Uh, just bolstering upstate's yogurt, yogurt bo- profile. <laughs> I mean, because well, like uh, big, big yogurt. Uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Chobani is upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. La Fermier, which is a French yogurt company, uh, which does all their production in Marseille right now, is opening their North America or going to be opening a North America production in Batavia. So if you the French connection is not just for heroin, anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you've got your Gilbert Perot jersey and uh, a interest in fermenting milk, head out to Batavia. You can get a job. You know, the business world it gives <laughs> it gives you lots of yogurt, but it it, it takes some other things. Uh, Athenex, Rob, you brought this to my attention. They're not doing so hot. No, Athenex. No, Athenex is not doing so hot. Can you um, can you remind the listeners? I fucking don't know what they do. What did they, they were they were like the <laughs> Buffalo uh, Buffalo Billions they, they, recipient? They they were they were uh, I want to say like uh, yeah they were they were one of the first and one of the larger uh, Buffalo Billion companies and in, in the first round of the Buffalo Billion, not the Buffalo Billion two. Yeah, Athenex was formerly called Kynex. It is a pharmaceutical company. They got a certain number of millions of dollars from the state when the state bought uh, an entire floor out, or the, the state uh, bought two floors, or no, bought one floor, leased one floor in the Conventus building downtown in the medical campus, and they they built out this headquarters for uh, Kynex, which became Athenex. Then, like, the really big part was the state built a 
something like two hundred million dollar or something. Uh, My uh, hometown in Dunkirk. In Dunkirk, yep. I didn't know you were from Dunkirk. That's right. I I, wor- I worked in Dunkirk for a couple of years. Made ice cream, college. right? Uh, no, I was a I was a bartender at the Fireside Manor. Oh, the Fireside. Do you yeah. know the Fireside? I know the out Fireside by, out, uh, by the golf course. Sure do. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's where all the rich fucks go. Yeah, I I, I, I spent uh, I spent a uh, good uh, many evenings making Manhattans for uh, Larry Spack, the uh, the car dealer, uh-huh. um, and 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 other people. Uh, before I learned, before I realized that bartending is not um, my particular uh, strongest suit. But yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, they built built a big factory for Athenex out in Dunkirk. Yeah, basically, I mean, the subsidies for this company went. Towards, you know, one thing, just, um, you know, covering the cost in building a huge medical office building in downtown or in, you know, downtown Buffalo-ish in the, the medical campus um, and, and you know, building and outfitting this thing, building and outfitting a factory. Um, Athenex, like, you know, other, far, some, like other pharmaceutical companies, was developing a drug and their trial did not pan out. Oh, did um, Chris Collins lose money on it? <laughs> <laughs> Not not that one, although. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, yeah. So the company has lost in the past two years something like three hundred and fifty million dollars. Their stock price after their um, after their drug trial failed uh, dropped by like ninety three percent since February fifth, twenty twenty one. So just about a year ago, it went from fourteen dollars down to last I looked, it was trading at a little less than one dollar now. Um, and yeah, and I mean, this is like another, uh, Buffalo billion bust, you know, it's possible that Athenex will develop another drug there. There, this one drug, you know, will, you know, maybe, you know, useful for something possibly at the end of the day. But, you know, again, this is like another example of the state throwing literally hundreds of millions of dollars at a privately owned company. This company was... You know, for a while, privately owned, it was bought out by a Chinese private equity firm and then, you know, taken public, I believe. I don't remember exactly when it was taken public, but yeah, I mean, got, you know, got 10, hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies. You know, it was announced, I forget when, I think it was just a couple months ago that they, that they sold their interest in the drug production facility to a different drug company. So hopefully there'd be some jobs going to the people in Duck in New York soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I, yeah, I, I mean. so. I mean, yeah, I mean, Athenex needs to hit a job hiring benchmark pretty soon. They, they, they're supposed to have, you know, 250 people working in Western New York. There is something like yeah. 200, like 11 now or something like that. Although they've just announced that they are cutting their expenditures by 50%, which Jesus, that does. I mean, that doesn't scream like, uh, you know, hiring a bunch of people. And in fact, they've, you know, they're also announcing that they're going to be firing a bunch of people and it's not yeah. clear where those people are going to be fired, whether it's going to be the United States or in China or, you know, some of the other locations where, where they do have operations. Maybe, maybe they could get some of those hormones PPP loans. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, if I, if I, if I'd prepared uh, one second for, for coming here today, I, I, you know, I probably would have uh, yeah seen if, if they'd gotten any PPP loans or anything like that. But I didn't. Uh, Don't worry, Rob. We, this we, is... we never prepare. <laughs> no, no. Right. You're, you're getting just the, the Rob uh, straight off the dome, uh, Jay-Z style. We'd Rob. have to learn to read in order to prepare. <laughs> yes. Right, right. What, yes. what are we, Definitely. Tony Masiello? Yes. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The the Buffalo Billion is unquestionably uh, a fiasco. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't think that we can like kid around about it anymore. And it's really, 
you know, it's it's you know, it's kind of fu- you know, it's it's funny to joke about because they promised the 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 moon and the sky and all the stars in it um, with with this Buffalo Billion, you know, about going back about about ten eleven years ago now, and it's been a total a total bust. What if they had just done like the ops because they went like, well, we're gonna get silver bullets and fix everything. If they were like, we're gonna take a billion dollars and we're gonna invest in. Small organization, small to sure. medium organization, infrastructure, and infrastructure. But, well, you look at you look at the Buffalo resurgence, and I think a lot of, a lot of these fucks like to point to the Buffalo billion. That it obviously didn't do shit. We know that at this point. If anything, it was grassroots. It was cultural, and, and, and it had everything to do with with normal people in Buffalo, like believing in the city and making it better. Well, and I think a lot to do with um, you know monetary policy following the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it became a lot easier to borrow money to do things like convert vacant buildings into like right. lofts and uh, restaurants and, and microbreweries and stuff like that. And you know that's good. I like I like to go out to eat. I like to I like to have a beer, uh, even though I'm against drinking alcohol. All of these things have 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 come at a price. And throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at Athenex has a price. And throwing a billion dollars at Tesla has a price. And throwing you know uh, however however was it forty million however money however much at Plug Power has a price. And the and the price that we're paying for that is the total like hollowing out of all of our institutions. Um, Maybe this is a good uh, a good segue to start talking about how Buffalo has the sixth highest childhood poverty yes. in the United States in cities with more than a hundred thousand people. Right. This this figure is not changed uh, for the Buffalo Billion. It's not changed for Buff- for Byron Brown's administration. This is like this is a major problem, and this is the cost that like our elected officials have have decided they're willing to pay in order to uh, you know do things like spend a lot of money on, on really big like splashy ribbon cutting type projects that juice the the real estate industry that um, you know generate like big headlines while thousands and thousands of houses in Buffalo are are uninsulated thousands have have lead water lines thousands more have have lead paint inside and out mm. the roads are a nightmare you know we can go we can go on and we we know what the, we know what the problems in Buffalo are and all the money that we are spending is, you know, channeling money away from fixing what, you know, these sort of like bedrock, like societal problems are. And it's just giving that money to high tech companies and rich people. And the hope is, and like the theory is that by, you know, making Buffalo like palatable, not, not even, not even like nice for, but palatable to like tech companies is that we will just be able to replace all of the poor people here with, with tech workers. Right. You, you know, what's so amazing to like me. Like they won't live in the suburbs. Right. Right. Well, you know, what's so amazing to me is like the, the nouveau reach, like the, the rich people of, I'd say like the last 40, 50 years, there's no sense even of any kind of like noblesse oblige. There's, there's no sense of like, we need, like they, they want the good stuff. They want the, the breweries and they want the, the walkable fun stuff. But the rest of it is just like, okay, one area could be just completely nice, have all the businesses amenities and right next door could just be a complete shithole. You know, it's like total poverty. And that's the story of Buffalo, just like we've seen in a lot of other places nationally, but there's no sense of like, even any any kind of social contract whatsoever that all right 
it's a it's a poor reflection on me as a wealthy person that the rest of the community is failing. Well, I got a couple things of us, but they they want uh they want their local city because they live in the suburbs. They never live in the city, or very few of them live in the city. They want their local city to be like the cities they visit, where they visit the tourist areas, they visit the nice areas. They don't have to in actually get ingrained and learn anything about any of the troubles like when they go to nashville or they go like if they go to new york like they hang out in fucking manhattan and at times square and that garbage or when they go to la they're like they don't visit parts of la that have issue like like that have poverty that are, are that have crime they're hanging out in very specific neighborhoods, usually along the coast. That's what they want in their cities that they live in, too, is they want to have areas to visit and areas to ignore. I will say, like, this d- data, Robbie said, like, it hasn't got any better. It actually, it, they, it has from 2015 to 2020, Buffalo's decre- child poverty has decreased by 9.5% from 40% to, like, 30 0.5%. So it's gotten a little bit because Buffalo used to be like number two mm-hmm. and now it's number six. Uh, also, upstate New York is trash for this. Yes. Rochester is number one of these yeah. cities over, or Syracuse is number one. Syracuse. Rochester is number two. and Detroit's number three or something like that. And then it's like Toledo and Cleveland are like four and five in whichever order. And then Buffalo six. I mean, it's not surprising that the Rust Belt Great Lake cities are where a lot of these issues lie um that said like in the top 20 like i remember like there's a city in in texas there's like three in louisiana because louisiana is a terrible state and and, like like we don't we people love new orleans so much they don't give enough shit to the state of louisiana and louisiana really hates the people that live there yeah and again back to your point rob about the buffalo billions like we're talking three cities in upstate new york that are leading the way <laughs> and i will say that the only probably the only reason why utica is not there is because they don't have a hundred thousand people yeah, right yeah. right but again this money where we're just pissing it away and they could like a billion dollars is so much fucking money especially when you're you, talking you can get almost one football stadium for you that. can almost get one football stadium <laughs> you my god you oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that, that's depressing. Instantly depressing. <laughs> you could do so much money. You could do so much. Even with a million dollars in some of these communities, a billion is outrageous. And like, just to think that, hey, we gave it to faceless corporations that are cutting off employees because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're getting shuffled around from ownership group to ownership group. And it's just like... <laughs> The, the the numbers are there. Like I'm glad Buffalo is not number two as the childhood poverty city with population over 100,000. But it's still it's still embarrassing. Right. It's ridiculous uh, to even I mean, be on yeah, that list. Yeah, no, you're right. Like a billion dollars is a lot. Like a million dollars. I will say, like, unfortunately, a million dollars doesn't for like large products doesn't go as far as it used to go. Like I worked for the state assembly. I, as everybody anybody who listens as regularly knows, I used to work for Pat Burke. We got a million dollars because that was a cost just to renovate the pool in South Buffalo was a million dollars. A million dollars doesn't go as far as at least it went to a pool. At least (laughs) it went to a pool. A billion dollars is a thousand million dollars. It's so much more money. Yeah. It is. It's such an incredible amount of money that you can spend. Like a a, a billion. If they're like, here's a billion dollars, NFTA build streetcars and build infrastructure for like West New York, it would give it like it would give us so much. 
I mean, it's part grift, obviously, because as we know from the Buffalo Billions, really, right, it right, was just, yeah. right. Like, I mean, I'm sure Todd Aldinger is very upset that he didn't get involved in the <laughs> Buffalo Billions. <laughs> <laughs> like, we know Andrew Cuomo hooked up a bunch of his friends, political L- allies, criminality. right, mm-hmm. right. So we we know that, but it's also part ideology too that totally. dumping this kind of money into these businesses will ultimately get that trickle down outcome and it's just proven to be erroneous time and again yeah i mean like a a couple things like one on like the 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 sort of the 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 current like bourgeoisie's uh like lack of like noblesse oblige or or obviously like our carnegies are not uh are aren't aren't out like building like systems of libraries or whatever but even you know even sort of like on, on a smaller level what what you do see from this ruling class is like all of the philanthropy, all of those like types of things that like do happen now, all of those things that happen are basically like covert ways to re- try to replace like the existing, um, you know, tattered, uh, like welfare state right. with like private charity right. where, where, where they can dictate all the terms. I think like the best example of this is something like, you know, really, or anyways, a really good example is, is like, uh, the, the Westminster charter school, and uh, you know M and T banks like Buffalo Promise Neighborhood Initiative, which is basically like uh, you know a, a set of charities uh, you know centered on you know a, a, a private charter school that uh, you know uses public school funding to run a privately administered uh, you know school, and 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 that's that's the sort of like character of you know any any sort of. Uh, sort of like public good things. There's, there's no, there's no like public goods anymore. All of like the philanthropy and charity we see for, you know, for the most part revolves around, you know, the private provision of band-aids by, you know, the very rich in order to one, like launder their reputations, maybe assuage some sort of like, uh, you know, psychic torment that exists, uh, you know, somewhere in their brains. You know, what it doesn't do is it doesn't like build, uh, you know, a society or it doesn't like create the conditions for you know, for 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 people to li- to live you know sort of like independently decent lives and that is why we need you know a, ro- a robust welfare state right well it's i would say i think one of the reasons why is a lot of these like nouveau riche like you're talking about like the noblesse oblige is they came of age like they're probably in their 50s and 60s they came of age during the first George Bush and the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. And the first George Bush, you know, famously got rid of a lot of welfare programs and came up with the thousand points of light where like it was basically like a way to like legalize like additional uh, tax breaks for churches. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you had Clinton uh, continuing to erode with welfare. The coup de grace to right, the, yeah. yeah, with, with workfare, right? Right. Their viewpoint, like they grew up in like the 90s like you know these pataki new yorkers well welfare is bad like social welfare and these social programs are bad so i will i will give money in a way that makes myself look good like actually you you brought up like carnegie like it's actually surprising to me that jeff bezos isn't building like community libraries because he would make more money because they would order all their books from amazon (laughs) He, 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 he he did fund one library in dc and then got a bunch of shit for it because he asked them to name it after him. And then people were like, uh, we don't we don't think that this library, I think it was like in a school. And we don't think this school library should be named after, um, you know, the one of like the chief evil people, uh, you know, current currently living right now. Right. So we're going <laughs> to we're going to name it after Madison Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> no, 
Is that what they did? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, um. they did name it after Madison Cawthon. I mean, they did name it after... I forget who they named it after, yeah. uh, I, but, but they named it. They ended up naming it after you know a black writer, which is you know, oh, good. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> it's just like yeah that 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 was like a, a news cycle, and and yeah, just like, like not, I don't I would I would never want to appear on any record, sort of like. Um, you know, promoting uh, Andrew Carnegie as like a, a good person or any sort of like model, but right, uh, no, but, um, but relatively, <laughs> right, right, but that like that speaks volumes about like the current oligarchs we have in this country. They are like, well, I mean, compared to Andrew Carnegie, Elon Musk right. is really bad. Yeah. They're seen as something to strive for now, which is right. which is I think a, a major contrast between hundred years ago when they were just fucking villains, right, and they were trying to, what, what, and, and, and and like. like Andrew Carnegie lived a very long life as a villain before he even started giving money right. to like exactly, Latin. and he was basically on his deathbed, and he was like, "Maybe I can buy Saint Peter off." <laughs> it was basically, and then even then, there was a lot of stipulations on the money that he was giving out. Sure. <laughs> the the other the other thing you said, Jim, that I want to like kind of come back to because I yeah. think it's really important is the um you talked about current ruling class and their development of cities into basically like kind of like like playgrounds they're, they're, for they're, people they're, with lots they're, of money. yeah right they're, that's not where they want to live like it's it's weird because like we don't have like the traditional bedroom communities yeah uh, that you might have had in like the 50s and 60s like those don't exist anymore the ones that exist still exist but new ones don't keep propping up but yeah I, I think i think that's very real in this in the united states right now is that like they don't want all of buffalo to succeed they want parts of buffalo to be places that they can go i mean they, I, I would go farther i would say like their plan is dependent on most of buffalo failing and this is what the doug jamal plan is yes this is the jamal plan for buffalo where we were, we turned downtown Buffalo into I don't know into like Biff Tannen's pleasure paradise or whatever the <laughs> fuck from Back to the Future Two, where it is you know it's it's a playground and there is like there's absolutely like no shortage of um you know micro breweries and frozen yogurt shops right well this is and, what and uh, you know like pour your own beer like buffet slop trough restaurants well this, um, this is actually what Hamster wanted before he died right what where he spent all that money redoing uh the the building downtown yeah. he was interested in this but that he didn't have a Doug Jamal money and b longevity I mean right. the COVID well, vaccine yeah. <laughs> I mean that, that guy should have worn a fucking mask huh? right Jeez, right please. I mean, look, we're pro fun. Like, I, yeah. I like doing the fun stuff. I like going to the fun places. Fun's great. I love fun. I, I, I love. It's I, our stance as a podcast. Yeah, but but but, uh, it, no. but I like the fun. I like, and I am not going to like whatever building Doug Jamal puts across <laughs> the street from Mohawk. Place. No. Well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, we lo okay. I, I love going to the bars. I love going out and having a good time. But. We're a community. What gets lost in all this, in the talks about development, is people who actually live there, who work there, who have homes, or mostly rent, actually. Yeah. But there's no sense of like there's no civic engagement. There's no but, well that that's belief. why Doug that's why Doug Jamal is so focused on downtown mm -hmm. as opposed to other areas is because he didn't have to displace people. Yeah, well, and I mean, and we are in like something of uh, a housing construction boom in the city of Buffalo. We're adding you know, apartments at a staggering rate. 
But if you look at like the what these apartments are that we're adding, first of all, they're they're just not affordable to mo- mm-hmm. to most people, you know, currently living in Buffalo, and that's part of this, you know, this replacement economic model where they right. it's not about bringing up people who who live in Buffalo already. It's about just hoping to God something happens so we don't got to think about them anymore. But while making it attractive for tech companies to come in with all of these amenities and this, this quality of life that we can offer. And if you look at the housing that is being built, because they're building a lot of housing, but it's basically it's dorms for professional you know, white collar workers. Right. If this is not this is not housing for for families to live in. We're talking about like studio one to two bedroom tops. This is you know wildly unaffordable. You know, and and it's you know it's 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 concentrated in uh you know like the the most uh, expensive neighborhoods of the city. Be that you know downtown, Allentown, Elmwood Village, and then you know some sort of like weird pockets here and there where just because of like the pure like economics of it, Buffalo is such a depressed market that guys like Jamal Rocco Termini are able to basically like create their whole, their own like neighborhoods and their own images kind of sui generis. What not to, I'm going to probably set you off on this, but you talk about like that they, they want to like ignore neighborhoods as much as possible. You know, this gets back to, Oh, well we should redo the 33. Well, like, in, instead of like making an expressway <laughs> oh, cutting yeah. through these neighborhoods, we'll just bury it in a tunnel. So you like at least on the expressway, you have to like visually acknowledge these neighborhoods in a tunnel. You don't even have to look at them. You can also huff a lot of carbon monoxide. Too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, clearly, you know that this is like the number one thing that boils my blood right now in Buffalo. So it really grinds my gears. This like we are on the verge of making an absolutely colossal fuck up. And except it's not a fuck up. It's it's a, we're at, we're on the verge of making an absolutely colossal on purpose right, right. now. Right. It's unspeakable to me. And, you know, it's it's unspeakable in the same way that it's unspeakable to give a billion dollars to Elon Musk, a billion dollars to, you know, Terry Pagula when you have, you know, something like a third of the children in the, in the city of Buffalo living in poverty. The 33 destroyed a neighborhood um and has been now poisoning people for something like 60 years. We know this is a fact. And we know this is a fact because it's, it's totally undisputed. Everybody agrees agrees on this. And our big plan to uh, to rectify that, yeah, is to literally put a veneer on top of it so we don't have to think about it anymore. So we will create a, a facsimile, an approximation of the, you know, of the, the, the tree-line parkway that we, you know, that Larry Quinn's dad destroyed uh, when he designed the 33. And we just won't talk about the pollution anymore. Right. And it's or we won't talk about the pollution or we will you know straight up lie and say that turning this into a tunnel will ameliorate this pollution. And this is like this is such a good example of how idiotic and short sighted and just totally, um, you know, totally surface level. The thinking in Buffalo is about any of our problems is that everyone talks about, oh, this will be a great reconnection of the neighborhoods because you're you're you know turning a limited section of, of this, uh, you know, expressway. That has, like I said, been poisoning people, literally poisoning people for generations. Three three generations of people have been sickened and died because of this highway. Um, you know, it's it's a big deal for me because I live close to the 33 um, in, in Maston Park. This is universally acknowledged to be one of Buffalo's biggest, uh, you know, fuck-ups in the 20th century. And they are doubling down on it to protect and preserve 
uh, a highway that that's killing people that is literally killing people, but they refuse to consider uh, so, taking the highway out. Even while they, you know, they filled in the inner loop in Rochester, mm-hmm. they are tearing down the 81 in downtown Syracuse. Uh, Buffalo, uh, for some reason is just not worth well, so what, were, what if they built a tunnel, but they put vacuums in to take all the exhaust and they pumped it all out directly to Marilla to skip Gingrich. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're well, talking synergy. There we go. There we go. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I think you've added several hundred million dollars to the uh, already like six hundred million dollar price tag. Yeah, but I mean, at that project. point, like because they're they're leaving the county, we could probably get Genesee County to have to pay part of it. <laughs> I mean, well, and the the cost thing is is another like insane thing about yeah, this. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, it, the whole thing is insane. Um, why not just make it? I know you need access back and forth to the airport, right? Why not just make it a regular road again with 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 some public transportation attached to it? I, I, well, you know what's a great way to the, get to the airport is just you take Genesee Street. Oh, right. there you go. <laughs> right? No, no. Like, w- like, what's wrong? It's very with, little traffic. What, what? What's wrong with like adding like an extension to taking all this money, extending an extension to light rail that takes you from Main Street and Genesee all the way out to the airport? What would be wrong with that? And like, look, look. I use a thirty-three regularly. Would it be minimally a problem for me? Yes. Also, get rid of the 33. I'm not so selfish to be like, well, but it, it would save me 15 minutes. Like, I mean, what, that, that, like, that's whatever. how I feel about the 190 because, you know, my, my mom my mom lives out in East Aurora, so I don't, t- I don't take the 33, but I take the 190 very frequently, but that's another highway that. I'm, if I'm playing SimCity with Buffalo, one, <laughs> 190 does not happen. Now, well, I, mean, I live in, like, right now I live in, like, northern Lancaster, like, right by the airport. So, like, it, I pretty much take the 33 to do anything. Sure. And still, like, get rid of it. Well, you know who's uh, you know who's taking the thirty three right out to the airport, right, right to the airport. <laughs> who's your boy? Who, who's that? Reese on the segways today. Yeah, these are very nice. He always is. He's on top of it. Yes, uh, famous vaccine not liker Cole Beasley. <laughs> He's gone, baby, gone. Uh, we're not we're not the sports podcast, but you know what? Whatever. This guy is enough of Yahoo. Where. <laughs> He's a figure of note. Well, that's the thing is, like, we're not the sports podcast, but he didn't stick to sports. He did not stick to sports. <laughs> no, he definitely did not stick to sports. He he, he had, also didn't do any, himself any favors last season. He yeah, he didn't. He was he was injured here and there. You know, he had whatever. He had fine production, but not great. He's got a contract that was on the books. They cut him um, to save some money. So, hey. Cole Beasley, great rapper. Have you ever heard his rap? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, oh, he's got that to fall back on. Right? He's, he's got flow. I mean, he's yeah. he's a rapper. I mean, uh, I, I, I haven't. It's, I only listened to Prince Paul. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, he could. I, I, I'll say Cole at least, Beasley. At least, at least it's not Razzle Muffin or whatever. <laughs> Razzle Khan. Razzle Khan. Razzle Khan. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Well, Cole Beasley could take his talents to uh, maybe, I don't know, the Packers. Him and Aaron Rodgers. Can, yeah, I mean, uh, the Packers need a wide receiver. The Ivermectin duo. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, my biggest, uh, the biggest thing that, that, that ticks me off about Cole Beasley is, so he's a rapper, right? And yes. he put out an album last year. Or was it a mixtape? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, put, he put out something, you know, it was a longer than an EP anyways. He did not have a single song called Beasley Does It, which is, like, just a, <laughs> a fucking, like, huge missed window. Um, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we're talking about, yeah, like, one of the classic, you know, you could reference one of the classic Easy e songs. Right. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> huge letdown, huge miss. Yeah, I had a, unforced I, I, error. I, I, I was, uh, yeah. no, I mean, I, like, I haven't listened to Beasley. I mean, I am a, I'm, I'm a big hip hop, rap, rap fan. Uh, I, I got like, I was partially into that when I got into college, and then when I got to college, like, so I was, I, I was part of the music review group for the radio st- college radio station. Anybody who like volunteers to review music for a college radio station is probably <laughs> into like indie music. And I was like the only person who was willing to review like hip hop. So I became like at, at Bonaventure, which is a trash <laughs> school full of white people. I became like the hip hop like <laughs> person. And that's why Jim is going to review Cole Beasley's EP for the Square Podcast. Right. Yeah, right. I, I, I will. That uh, would be, that would we, be great. We, we'll, we'll, it'll be like part of our like our, our Patreon, uh, Patreon only exclusives. Uh, I'll review uh Cole Beasley's music for the rest of his life, and <laughs> and Re will be uh, slowly reading chapter by chapter Karl Marx's Capital. Uh, yes, yes, that's what we'll be doing. Uh, I I I, li- I did listen to Beasley's uh, whatever it was the Taper album when when he put it out, and I I mean I, I was not impressed. I'm I don't know. I I'm, I don't. I'm I'm not trying to like put myself out there as like a a, a big like head or anything, but. You know. He's no Benny the Butcher. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Conway the Machine, <laughs> no, right? No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like music. I like rap, and I, I mean, I yeah, I thought I thought it sucked uh, personally. I, I, you know, it was he sounded he sounded like a guy that like listened to like a lot of like Drake and M, mm. and when was and was like trying to do like something like that in terms of oh I, I'm I'm like I'm like an angry like white guy that's like that's like worked up for a lot of the time that I'm awake. Mm. And but also I'm I'm going I'm yeah I'm I'm going over these sort of like compli- complicated you know instrumentals that all of his like beats reminded me of like early like Drake's career like like post um, Dark Twisted Fantasy Kanye I, I've never listened to this but I gotta ask because of his jacked up teeth when he made an S sound did it whistle <laughs> I don't know I I, I, I don't remember you're, you're I'll have to, okay, to revisit okay. it I I, th- I don't I'm, I'm hoping gonna, I'm not mischaracterizing this music either I'm, I, I'm I mean, imagining it does. I mean well I'll listen to it and I'll give my own review I can't wait to listen to the angry white guy who doesn't like like the, <laughs> the reason why Eminem gets away with it is because he might be the best rap lyricist of all time I mean like <clears throat> it, well as far as, like telling no, us no comment. Well, as far as like telling a story and like connecting things, yeah. Uh, I mean, as far like actual import of his lyrics, <laughs> he's like twelfth. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, yeah. But, like, I, we, I, could, I, we could go on yeah, Cole Beasley. Yeah, we, 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 we could do this all day. Yeah, we we, 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 we got to move I on. Think we can rap, the... kind of, but we got to move on. Wait, check out Rob and I's new podcast. Eminem rap songs. We could we could talk about the campaign finance all day. We could talk about the thirty three all day. We cannot talk about Cole Beasley's album all day unless it's a Patreon exclusive and you pay us for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So moving moving on, Byron Brown. Hey, we talked about him a little earlier. Let's let's talk about him a little bit again because the city of buffalo has masks we've got the pandemic uh well it, it may may not be over maybe over depends on who you ask <laughs> right I, I wouldn't ask china or europe right I, I wouldn't yes i wouldn't ask china <laughs> or europe but here in america where we're all back to back to business uh hey no pandemic so we've got all these masks sitting around 
in City Hall or downtown or wherever the fuck they store them. 200,000 of them. I, I, I imagine in Byron Brown III's old bedroom yes. in his house <laughs> is where Byron has been keeping all these masks. So 200,000 masks that, you know, us as residents of the city of Buffalo, well, some of us, but... Uh, we have not seen, they have not had a distribution program for any of these masks. We're just sitting there. And now Byron Brown, in a show of solidarity, of course, with the Ukrainian community and the, the good people of Ukraine and President Zelensky, is sending 200,000 masks from Buffalo uh, overseas to be distributed by Poland, by the Polish forces, I believe. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, what's insane? Like, okay. Like, <laughs> okay. Why, would you, why did you never give these masks out? Is he like an oracle that like he knew that there's going to be a land war in Europe this year <laughs> where like he would have to hand out 200,000 masks? And is that the well, number well, one well, thing the, that yeah, they need? I mean, yeah, well, that's right. what I would. I mean, right. Yeah, these masks are, are really going to go a long way uh, to, towards, you know, um, helping the, you know, the Ukrainian people resist the um the the this deadly incursion by the novel coronavirus. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, I mean. Or like at least like if they were like high quality like we don't even know if these are N95s like they're they're probably not but they're certainly not chemical weapon grade masks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other question is like, is this Byron Brown's personal stash, or is this like are these like city masks? <laughs> right. Uh, who who's to say? I don't know. It's just like well, if I'm a Ukrainian person, I'm trusting the personal stash more than whatever was owned oh. by the the city government. That's, that's right. a great point. <laughs> Problem. All right, no, no, but, but they're probably they, they were probably at one point city master, which have probably been absorbed into his own personal account, yeah. and then he's going to use this all as, as a write off on his taxes next year. Yeah, well, well, yeah, that well, that's the other thing, right? You know, it's twenty twenty two now, so that means these masks are like the ones that were like not even good to make the cut for like Cuomo's mask quilt, right? You know, these might be like the the sort of like <laughs> e, the E tier masks that um, you know, yeah, that 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 that, that we're unloading. Yeah. Well, guys, that is a uh, wrap on our news of the week. And Rob, thank you again for joining us. We love to have you here, man. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Robcat, where can we find the listeners? They don't already follow you on social media. And God <laughs> forbid you fucking people. I swear to God, follow Rob. <laughs> yeah. Rob is great. We love Rob. Mm-hmm. But, but for those not in the know, Rob, where can you be found? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Rob C. Galbraith. Um, look at the show notes, I guess, for how to spell my last name. I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, I'm a researcher at the Public Accountability Initiative. I'm based here in Buffalo. You can see my writing um, either, yeah, at the, the Little Sis blog at news.littlesis.org. Um, I've written in the Daily Poster, uh, oh, which is soon to change names to something else, David Sirota's outlet. Um uh yeah and i don't know i i i, I talked to various uh local and state level journalists a lot i'm a researcher uh you know focused on uh politics and power uh in new york and and especially buffalo where i live he's also a, a shit poster extraordinaire so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Lo- love following rob love talking to rob having him here uh you got you got anything big coming out in the near future yeah i'm, I'm working on a few things right now uh sort of like state budget related i've got a report that should be coming out pretty soon looking at the landlords groups who are really pulling out all the stops spending millions of dollars to fight against good cause eviction uh you know this is something that the you know the buffalo common council has voted to sort of express support for, but has not actually enacted locally mm-hmm. um, currently. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna be putting a bunch of stuff out. Uh, you know, really sort of like state focused. Um, you know, as we kind of approach passing uh, a state budget. Um, I can't remember the last thing I, I, I can't remember the last thing I published. It's, it's been a little while because we're kind of working on the, the skeleton crew at little sis right now, but we, uh, we have been uh, hiring. We're interviewing folks right now and we, yeah, we should be sort of like ramping stuff up. Um, yeah, like, look, yeah. Look for me talking about the budget. Uh, I'll probably do something about the Bills stadium, good cause eviction, um, just generally, uh, you know, uh, pissing away the people's money to enrich uh, the the worst people while uh, while 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 we all suffer. That's kind of my beat. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll keep an eye out for that, and we'll certainly share and probably talk about your stuff, and, and definitely have you back on. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, yeah. Love 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 to love to come up. Maybe, maybe uh, we we've been kicking around on on in the internet um, because I maligned Wallen wines. <laughs> Uh, maybe <laughs> heading out to East Aurora uh, 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 for a fish fry. Yeah, so we might have to get the East Aurora crew. We'll together. go there and I'll, and I'll whatever leftover <laughs> fish fry I have, I'll send to the people of Ukraine. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've I've actually show of support and yeah, solidarity. It's, it's, we sent we sent them all our coleslaw. <laughs> this might fuck up my East Aurora cred, but I've never actually had a fish fry at Walla Lines, even though I I grew up on the same street that that Wally's is on. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I would. I would love actually, you know, my mom went to Wally's recently and got the fish fry because she'd never had it. And she only she gave it kind of a middling review. Ah. Um All right. Yeah, take All right. that, Bojack. Yeah. yeah. Bojack. Yeah. Uh, well, because I I, I, I kind of gave Walla Wines uh uh well more than middling review. Uh because like the only my only experience with Walla Wines was going there because when I was Republican, that's where the East Aurora mm-hmm. Republicans hung out. Yeah. And well, I was like, well, like, how good can it be? Those people notoriously have terrible taste. So Walla Wines, I like I said, I've never had their fish fry. Um, Walla Wines is sort of an important um, piece of the like the East Aurora bar ecosystem as really the last holdout in the sort of block that it's on for you know real towny ass like uh, like grubby dirty East Aurora people. The rest of you know Elm Street there and sort of that end of Oakwood has been totally gentrified into like juice shops and there's a sushi place for a while galleries and shit. There used to be you know, growing up in East Aurora, there was a bar called the ice house on Elm street there. That was, you know, the place to like walk by if you were a teenager and wanted to be uh, either like sexually harassed or just like had an like, incomprehensible slur thrown at you by, you know, at two in the afternoon by, um, by an East Aurora townie type guy, the safe places for those people in East Aurora have, you know, rapidly diminished and Walla Wines is really one of the few holdouts there. So, so no matter how good their or bad their fish fry might be, it's an important uh, institution that, you know, I hope, uh, yeah, the GOP in East Aurora and everybody else really, um, <laughs> you know, protect it, uh, landmark it, right, preserve yeah, it. Right, right, Dave, Dave DiPietro, do your magic. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's wall and wine discussion. We'll have to get together and have a fish fry there. Uh,